that they are. We'll turn to uh, um, Habakkuk uh, chapter 1, verse 13. Habakkuk, if you don't know where Habakkuk is, go from Matthew and go a couple uh, um, places back. And, I'm, and uh, I mean, excuse me, Haggai. Go to Haggai. I don't know why I keep on getting Habakkuk. Maybe I need to do a series on Habakkuk. I'm going to. Amen? <laughs> Habakkuk is actually one of my favorite books. But um, especially about vision and about uh, the things that God wants to do. But have, how many have ever been discouraged? Raise your hand. Anybody ever been in a time that you've been discouraged? You know, and that's, this is where we're finding at the time of back. Now, if you weren't here last week, if you missed last week, you know, we talked about how Solomon had built the temple of God, a marvelous, magnificent temple. I mean, it was extravagant. I mean, um, gold everywhere. I mean, artisans and craftsmen from all over the world came. God had brought them in to build this temple, skilled people. And so this, this temple was, was magnificent. People from all over the world would come to this temple to worship God and to see this temple. And so what was happening is, is that Solomon died and the people got distracted, got their eyes off the Lord, and turned to other gods and other idols. And so um, your distraction can do that. I don't know if you know that. Every one of us, if we don't watch it, can be get distracted and get our eyes off the Lord. And we, when you get your eyes off the Lord, you stop following the Lord, right? You start following other things. You can follow this, the, the things of life. You can follow selfishness. You can follow um, other idols and other gods, basically. And so you have to keep your focus on the Lord. Well, the, the, the nation of Israel, and especially Judah here, got their eyes off the Lord. And God had allowed a few things to happen and then in 587 BC King Nebuchadnezzar came in with the Babylonian army and 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 ransacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple of God and took all the people as captive uh, for 50 years five decades they were, they were held captive after this and it was it was not only the destruction of their city but it was just, it was almost like God where are you at they they had they had they had left God but God said, listen, I'm here, but you're not here with me. So the, the armies came in and, and destroyed everything. So they lost their spiritual identity. They lost who they were. And they became slaves to the Babylonian Empire. And so this is what happened for 50 years. And then finally, finally, 50 years went past. And finally, they, deci they decided to allow a remnant of people, about 50,000 people, to go back and build the temple of God um, in Jerusalem, and so they had get, they they went there. And they started to build the foundations of the temple, and they built the altar. And then all of a sudden, they had some uh, people come against them. The Samaritans came against them, uh, and they had, they had some opposition. And they when they started to have opposition, remember last week that that they quit, they stopped, and for 14 years they did nothing except for build their own houses, but they left the house of God alone. And for 14 years, so God had to raise up the prophet Haggai to call them back really into repentance and to start to build um, the temple again. And remember what we talked about last week, that they had to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. And so, um, and so they decided to start doing that 
um, to choose the hard right and start building the temple again. And so in Haggai chapter 1, verse 13, here's where we're at. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people and said, I am with you, declares the Lord. God says, I am with you, declares the Lord. And so he, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the governor um, of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedek, and the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of people. Well, so what did God do? He started to stir them up again. He stirred the governor up. He stirred the priest up and all the people. And that's what God does a lot of times in our life. He begins to stir us up to do something. He stirs up faith and hope inside of us that, God, I'm, I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do that. And, and we get this excitement inside of us that we're supposed to be doing something. They had lost that. And so God was stirring, stirring them up to do this again. So God gives them something to do, something to accomplish. And, uh, and we do that. And then that's out of the blue sometimes. God stirs us up. And I, I've, I've got to do this for the Lord. Or I've got to, I've got to, I've got to change what I, we do in our house. Or we've got to get out of debt. Or he stirs you up for something. And so, so the story goes is that they came back and they began to work on the house of the Lord again. And, uh, and we're going to build this amazing temple. They get excited again about this amazing thing. They start building it. And then one month goes by. And guess what happened? They quit. They got discouraged. They had this big religious festival, and all the people gathered around the construction site. In fact, in Ezra chapter 3, verse 12, it says this, But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former, former temple. So there was people there that had seen the former temple. They had been there. They, had, they were there when it was built. Over 50 years ago, before this destruction, they were there. They saw the former temple and wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this new temple that they were, they were being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sounds of the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. They're basically coming they're saying, is this enough? This is pathetic. This is not much progress. And all of a sudden, everybody became discouraged. They were embarrassed. They were like, we're, we're trying to do the best we can. We're trying to do everything that we know how, and we don't like it. And they, and they just got started to get discouraged because of everyone talking about how bad it was. It's not as good as the former temple. And they began to get discouraged, and they began to fizzle out. One month later, they fizzled out. And let me be honest. How many have that, have that happened in your life where you, you kind of start going, you're excited about what God is doing or what you, God's been told you to do, then all of a sudden you get discouraged. And we're all like that in some degree. We get attacked and, and, uh, from, from maybe other people saying some things or, or maybe you, you're, you're, not, you're not doing as good as you thought you did. And so they were, they were going after this temple and, and they couldn't build it like the last temple. So one month later they flamed out. I mean, we're all that way. You're, you're in debt, and you're trying to get out of debt, and all of a sudden Christmas comes in December, which it does every year, but um, you didn't plan on that, and then you go back into debt again or get more into debt, and then, then you know, you're on this diet, and Hy-Vee has double stuff of Oreos on sale, one for, two for one, and you say, well, maybe, maybe next year, and you, know, you, you get incredibly discouraged, and that's exactly what was happening to the people of God here is that we're going to do this for God. It's going to be amazing. Then one month in, when it didn't go like they expected, they got incredibly discouraged. And so God had to ask Haggai some questions. 
And to me, it's a very loving question that God asks Haggai to ask the people. Because if you look into it, he's really trying to get to the root of the problem. And if you're discouraged today, perhaps maybe you, you've been discouraged. Maybe you are discouraged right now. Or it's possible you could get discouraged in the future. I believe we're going to find, find the reasoning a lot of times for our discouragement. We find it in these scriptures. So turn to Haggai chapter 2, verse 3. And Haggai asks ask on the behalf of God, he says this, Who of you is left? Who of you is left that saw the house of the, in its former glory? In other words, who are you who are old enough to remember Solomon's temple? Wasn't it, it amazing, he says. You, you look at yours and you say, how, how does it look to you now? I mean, does it seem like you're nothing? Does it seem like it's nothing? You know? So he's asking these hard questions. And, and you know, two form causes really of discouragement I see. And I see it in my life. I see it here in the book of Haggai, two forms of discouragement we get. Number one, and if you're taking notes, you can write these down, is comparing yourself. And the other one, the second one, is lack of progress. These are forms that causes discouragement in your life. Comparison and lack of progress. And these people are doing the same thing they often do. They're comparing their start with someone else's finish. Have you ever done that? Especially in the, the days of social media, you can, you can see someone's lost all this weight and you're just beginning, right? Or someone is, is, is traveling and that's where you want to be, but you can't even get to the, get to the grocery store, you know? And, and so, I mean, it's, it's, you're seeing all these things and you're comparing yourself to someone, someone else, all others finish. And the temple didn't look so good, and their finish wasn't so much better. And in fact, Bible scholars says Haggai was probably in his 70s, 75 or so, when he wrote the book of Haggai. So 50 years ago, he's probably 20 years old. He was in his teens and probably going to the temple. He knew what the temple looked like. He was one of those who has seen it in its, all its glory, and it's amazing. And, uh, and looking at this temple, they're a totally different place. They're still in captivity. They probably don't have any money. And, and, but they're doing what God had told them to do. And God was pleased, but they were comparing themselves to their former life. And they started to build that temple and look at it. It's nowhere near. We, you don't have skilled artisans coming from all over the world. They didn't have David, King David, who had saved money and money and gold and silver and all the stuff for years to build this temple. They didn't have that. Solomon had that. They had, his father did a lot of that. And of course Solomon was blessed and had all this money. And I don't know about you, but I get incredibly discouraged at times when I compare myself to other people. And I look at that and I'm not like them. Or I'm not where they are. And I wish I was like they were. I mean, you know, maybe you're a guy in here and you're, you're thinking, you're looking at this other guy and and the, you know they got this cool car, and they've got this great job, and they go on these trips and everything, and they have this nice house, and you think, man, my car barely runs, and, and I rent from a bad neighborhood, in a bad neighborhood. Or you might be a lady that you're comparing yourself to other moms, and, and you're looking at their kids, and their kids are already dressed really nice, and, and they have baked goodies every single day, and, and they, you know they're getting college credit in the fifth grade, and you're thinking... I. I don't even know if my kids had pants on this morning. And, you know, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, I, I, I don't do any of that. I'm, I'm lucky if my kids pass P.E., you know. And so you're comparing yourself with other people. And if you really want to be a massive loser, go on Instagram. And look at the parties you weren't invited to. Right? 
Look at the stuff that, that people were going to and, and says, why wasn't I asked to go? Comparison leads you to that place. Comparison will, will hurt you and will discourage you. You know what discouragement does? It stops the momentum of you getting to another place. Right? God stirs something up inside of you to do something. And when we allow discouragement to come in, now discouragement's going to come. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be very honest with you, okay? It seems like I often live in a, in a low state of discouragement. It always seems like it's attacking, right? Sometimes it's mid-level, sometimes it's very high. But it seems like all the time there's, there's opportunity for me to take hold of discouragement. It doesn't matter. After, after today, I'll go home after this message. No matter how good it is, no matter what, or how, we're just, we're just going to say how good it is. Anyway, no matter what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look back and think I shouldn't have said that or I should have said this. Or I wasn't like this person or that person. Discouragement seems to come and come because of com- you comparing yourself to others. Then there's this, just this thing called lack of progress. It's that's when you do this and do this and nothing happens. I mean, you're, you're going on the diet, all you eat is kale and almonds, and after a month, you gain two pounds. Yeah, it's just really is wrong. It's sad, isn't it? It's discouragement because you're not, you're not getting where you thought you should be. You're, you're, you're doing the stuff that you think you should be doing, but it's just not getting there. You're, you're, you're not getting out of debt. You're, not, you're, not being, you're working on your relationship with your spouse, and it's just not going as you thought it would be. You thought you, as a Christian you would be in a better place at this time spiritually, but it's not there. And you, So you wake up one day discouraged so comparison and lack of progress will stop us allows discouragement to come in any number of these things spiritually you could be discouraged physically you could be discouraged mentally you could be discouraged because of those things and see the thing about it is all of us deal with this all of us deal with a form of discouragement that we have to watch out for and what you do when you find yourself constantly discouraged what do you do when you you wake up every morning and you just nothing's happened nothing wrong but you're discouraged you don't want to get out of bed you didn't probably some of you you didn't want to come today but you forced yourself to come today i'm glad you did so i want to i want to show you what god tells his people here in this area because they're building the temple it's just not going well it's never going to be as good as Solomon's temple. And trust me, it isn't. Most scholars, even secular scholars, say that, ha- that Haggai's temple here, or Zerubbabel's temple, is not nowhere near Solomon's temple. Nowhere near. And so here they are. They're, they're building this temple, and it's not going to be good, but God's stirring up their heart. He wants them to do this, and and he's stirring them up to do this. And God gives them some of the most loving and simple instructions, like he did last week when, when we talked about building the temple. He says, I want to give you three things. Go to the mountain, get the timber, and build my temple. That's how loving God is. He, he, he knows what we need to do. He tells us what we need to do. 
He gives us these step-by-steps, and this week we get discouraged. What does God tell us? Watch how this loving God does something. Look at verse 4 in chapter 2. God says, Be now strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. But then he tells Joshua, Be strong. Then he tells all the people of the land, Be strong. And then he says, And work. So he says, Be strong and work. Let me say it again. Be strong and work. And God says, and here, here it is again, he says, For I am with you, declares the Lord. So what do you do when you're discouraged? God says essentially two things. Number one, be strong. And then he says, do the work. So if you're discouraged, what are you supposed to do? God says, be strong, and then you do the work, no matter what. And the great news is here, you don't have to be strong in your own power anymore, Right? You get to be strong in His power. We live in in New Testament times, and and in the New Testament times is that when we are weak, He is strong in us, right? That we can rely on His power. So when you feel weak, it's actually a time of rejoicing because you can rely on the strength of God because your strength is not limitless. His strength is. Your strength is going to go away. Your strength is going to be getting, getting out. You start to work and work, then you're going to only work, be able to work so much, but with his strength, you can work forever. I don't have to be strong in my own strength. I've got the supernatural strength of God dwelling in me. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within those who believe. In fact, when, when you can't do any more and you're bound to give up, that's when you're just a perfect candidate for his strength to come in. Be strong in the Lord and do the work. Be strong, he says, and do the work. How do I be strong? Cast your cares on him. When you're in the place of thinking this comparison or this lack of progress and you're being discouraged, cast your cares on him. Say, God, you commanded me to do this. Remember, you are only responsible for obedience. God is responsible for the outcome. You are responsible for obedience. You can take joy in being obedient, no matter how the thing is going to look. Take joy in you being obedient. God is is responsible for the outcome. You be obedient, no matter what. And then rest. And you have to humble yourself in this too, because if you don't humble yourself, guess what's going to happen? You're going to take it back on. You're going to take the cares back on to yourself, aren't you? So you got to humble yourself and rest and love God. Pray and listen to Him, but then, but do the work. Be strong in his power and do the work. So that means put down another stone. People of Judah, put down another stone. Well, it didn't seem to make much difference. No, put down another stone. What do you do? Keep on. Be strong in the power of God and put down another stone. Constantly or consistently do the last thing that God told you to do. What did God tell you to do? Well, get up and go to work. Well, get up and go to work. What God told you to do? Tell that person Jesus loves them. Well, tell them. What did God tell you to do? Get out of debt. Well, get out of debt. Keep on putting that stone down. Consistently do the hard thing, no matter what. Because it would be easy to quit. It's easy to go home. It's easy to say it's hard. It's easy to give up. It's easy to stop. But keep on going. Faithfulness is the key to the blessing of God every single time. Just be faithful. Well, it's not as good as theirs. So what? Are you faithful? 
then you're doing what God's called you to do. Have fun and enjoy that. Well, I don't have as much stuff as they do. At least you have stuff. Right? Be faithful. I, I heard this principle a long time ago. I, you know, I, my reading is like this. I read very old books. I read uh, very old the theological books. I read new theological books. I read the Bible, of course. That's my main reading. But I also read leadership books. And uh, uh, Christian and secular leadership books. And I saw this one time. It stuck with me about 10 years ago. And the, and, the, and the guy said, successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. That's so good. Keep on doing. You've got to look at your life. You know most of our lives are on cycles. Do you know that? If you look at your life, you've got to break the cycle if it's not good. Some cycles are good. You're doing consistently what you need to do to be successful in the area of your life, right? You continue to do that consistently. You're not living beyond your means or you're, you know, you, whatever you've been trained to do, but there's some bad cycles. How many guys have bad cycles in their life? Raise your hand. You've had them in your life? Yeah, all of us have in some way where there's a relationship. is physical, spiritual. So you've got to look at your cycles that you're, you're in. What are you doing? Are you always quitting when you get discouraged? A lot of times, most people do. They stop doing it. And then you, that's an easy time for you to look at everybody else. So what did this person who you're comparing yourself with, what did they do that you didn't do? They might have been consistent. Did they not have discouragement? Probably so. They probably were discouraged in some way. But they continued. Guess what? You can continue. The fact that you're still living on this earth means that you have an opportunity to be all that God has called you to be, no matter how young or how old you are. You haven't missed it. You still have an opportunity. There are still days left in your life. Make them the best, right? Be consistent. Do those things. Break those cycles. Look back and see what cycle. What are you consistently doing? You could be consistently doing bad things, and that's the outcome. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. So show back up. Do it. Be strong and do the work. You be strong and do the right thing. If you're, at, if you're getting, trying to get out of debt, say, Sean, I'm only, I'm only putting $10 a month and, and into getting out of debt. Well, that, continue to do what God's told you to do. Continue to do what you can do. Well, Sean, it's such a big amount. amount. Don't worry about it. God blesses faithfulness. And he will multiply what you are doing. Trust me. You can consistently do. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Your, your only view should be Jesus anyway, right? Because every person on this earth has failed in some way. Every person on this earth is not Jesus. Jesus is the only perfection. Follow him. So continue to pay off your debt. Continue week after week, year after year. You do the right thing. Whatever God's told you to do, whatever he has stirred up inside of you, continue to put one stone on another stone and you continue to do that. 
When you do, when you're strong and you're strengthening the Lord, you honor God and every time you put a stone down, every time you, you do what He called you to do, if He tells you to put $10 down on your debt, you put $10 down on your debt, that is honoring the Lord. Be strong and continue. When if you have children that aren't following the Lord and you're, you're praying for them, continue to love them and pray for them. Stand for your children, even if they don't stand for anything. Stand for them. Be strong. Show back up. And stay in the game. Never quit. When, when, when somebody is, is uh, you, and you have hurt you and you've asked forgiveness, you went there and, and you confronted them and you said, I love you, and they didn't, didn't come back with anything that was nice to you, don't worry about it. You've done your job. You've been faithful. Continue to, to not hold anything against them, to continue to forgive and continue to love. When I live in that consistent discouragement, I have to continue following the strength of God and going after what He's called me to do. The best thing I can do most mornings is to get out of bed in faith and do what God's called me to do. Even if I don't feel like it, you've got to continue to pray. Continue to do what God's called you to do, no matter what. No matter what rejection you have. I've told you this. There's a, there's a guy that I, I, I heard this story, a preacher that has a very large church now. And, um, and he started out with, uh, with no one. No one showed except for his family. And they were forced to come. They didn't even want to come. No one was in there. In fact, no one was really in the... the he led the worship. He did everything. His, his wife had to, was a, the children's minister, and so she had all their kids, and there was no other kids but their kids. No one showed up. But he, so he was looking in the auditorium, maybe not like this one, but he was looking in an auditorium with empty seats. Did he just quit? No, he preached his message. He said, I preached to the angels because I knew they were there. Next week, he... He did the same thing. No one showed up. I mean, I think he was going on for about a, a few months. No one showing at his church. I mean, I'll tell you what. I don't know if I could have done it. I look at that. Man, that's, that's amazing. You know what he did, though? He was discouraged. It wasn't easy. He got up. He didn't feel like he, they had conversations. We're going to stop this church. We're not going to do this. No one's showing up. No one likes me. You know, all these things are going on. He's looking at... At, uh, at everybody else's church, and they're full. He has to drive by four or five churches to get to where his church was meeting at, and every one of their parking lots were full. But he shows up, and no one, and all of a sudden, one person showed up. And he preached to that one lady for a few weeks, and people started. He just kept on being faithful. And he reached his area. He was reaching his area. Now he's got a great ministry. Listen, let me tell you something. Show up. Just continue. Don't allow discouragement and comparison to get you down. Don't allow the lack of progress. Well, it's not, it's not going well. Sometimes it just doesn't go well. And sometimes you have to get through those times where it doesn't go well and stay in faith. Rely on God because he's bringing you through to the other side where the land is flowing with milk and honey. You know the Israelites had to go through the giants. And sometimes we have to go through the giants to get to where we're going. But listen, you're going to go through. And you're going to get through that other side. And you don't, don't have to. Just be strong and do the work. Be strong. What is God calling you to do? Do the work. Be strong in Him. Pray. Get with the Lord. 
Just cast your cares on Him. God, I'm faithful. No matter what, I'm faithful. You've given me a vision. You stirred something in my heart. But I'm going to continue. I'm going to do the work that you've called me to do. In Galatians 6, 9, when God tells us, He says this. He says, hey, let's not become weary in doing what? In doing good. Why? Because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. If what? If we do not give up. Amen? If we do not give up, that means be strong and do the work. Continue. And then God says, be strong and do the work. Why? Because I am with you. Oh my goodness. God is with you. No one else might be with you, but God is with you. And if God is for you, who can be against you, right? God is for you. He is with you. And I love what, he, what, what it goes on in, in Haggai. And it, says, and it says about this temple. It says in chapter 2, verse 6 through 9, it says, the glory of this temple, the glory of this present temple is going to be way glorious, more glorious, greater than the glory of the former temple. Now, what, they were, what Haggai was doing here was prophesying. Because now... God does not reside in a building. He resides in you and me. He lives in us. Because of what Jesus did at the cross, He opened up for those who would believe the power of the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God, to live inside of you and I. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. The glory of this present temple will be greater than the glory of the former temple. We, we, we not only, back then, they didn't have God living in, in, in them. So when he says, I'll be with you, he was with them. But God is in us. He is with us. He is empowering us today. We don't have to worry about it so we can be strong in the power of God. So every time I put a stone down, in his name. Every time I take that step of faith and every time I continue to glorify, to, to do the things that God has called me to do, it's going to glorify God in every single way. When you serve someone, he's being glorified. When you talk to someone about Jesus, he's being glorified. When you do what he tells you to do, when you lift up your hands in worship and you don't feel like it, he's being glorified. Right, amen? He's being glorified when we are strong in Him and we do the work. And He is with us. I love that. God is with us. See, this nation got their eyes off the Lord. God never moved. When we get distracted with comparison, discouraged because of lack of progress, we get our eyes on other things. And guess what happens? We move. God is still here, but somehow reason we're still we're over there. Just get back on. Get back where you left off. Get back on the path. Be strong in God and do the work. If you're discouraged today, remember that. God came to you. He inspired you to do something god called you to be that person yeah it was hard there's things that discouraged you you didn't feel like you were moving forward don't stop if he inspired you the holy spirit inside of you 
told you to do that, get back on track and put the stone down and then put another one down and do the work and be strong in him and pray and says, God, this is yours. You told me to do it and I'm going to be faithful. When discouragement comes, opposition comes, no, you're going to choose the hard thing that's right over the easy wrong. And you're going to allow the Holy Spirit that's inside of you to encourage you. Because you can do everything that God's called you to do. And it's okay. I had to come to the, come to the point that God, all that matters in my life is not how big our church is. How many people come? How many likes I get on social media? How many people retweet what I say? I had to come to the, to, the, to, to the acknowledging in my life. So if I was going to live the life of God, if I was going to defeat discouragement in my life, I had to come to the place of knowing that God loves me, that God's leading me, I'm following Him, and I'm being faithful. And if I'm faithful, it doesn't matter. If there's only one of you here today, Discouragement would try to come on me, definitely. But I would remember that I'm being faithful and I'm going to preach to that one. I won't let that one get out of here until I know they're saved. And he, may, he or she may have a two-hour message, I don't know, but, you know, I'm going to be faithful, right? I'm going to do what God's called me to do. You've got to be there. You've got to be there. Somebody looked over, over a table at me one time. And they said, Sean, you don't believe that God loves you. I said, no, I, I, know, I, I know I believe that because I preach it all the time to people. He says, no, I don't think you believe that. Because you're, you're, you believe that God only loves you and thinks you're successful if, if you are physically successful. Outwardly successful. And I think that's one of the greatest parts of discouragement that we can have. Is we think God only cares if I'm having everything, especially here in America. If I have all the money, if, I have, if my kids are doing all right, if my marriage is a model marriage. No, let me tell you something. Jesus died while we were yet Sinners. <laughs> he loves you. Not based on your performance. He loves you. The great thing is we get to receive that love. No matter what, no matter the mistakes I've had in my past, no matter the junk that I've went through, God loves you. You can be encouraged with that. That no matter what happens, no matter the failures, God loves you. Be strong in that. And do the work, whatever that is, that he's called you to do, do the work. And don't worry about the out outcome. Be responsible for the obedience. But be happy by making those steps. Amen? I promise you, your life 
will become much better. You'll be healthy in your life because you're not bowing down to discouragement any longer. And when discouragement comes, it just kind of falls off and you're okay. And you start living the life of God. Amen? Okay, bow your heads, close your eyes. Let me pray for you.